Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Well, hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to a brand new season of Big Blue Avenue. I'm Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Hank and Dichter. Hank, how are you tonight, my friend? I am super, super stoked. It's the beginning of a new season. And Tom, I got to tell you something. This is probably one of the more optimistic times I've really felt for the Giants to begin the season in quite a while. But before we get into the game on Sunday... I'm obviously excited to be talking some football with you, as I always am. And we may or may not have a new co-host that might be showing up very soon. We've had her on the show before, have we not? A new season brings a new co-host. Without further ado, let's introduce her. Sam Cardona, the girl who talks sports, joins (laughs) Big Blue Avenue full-time as a co-host. Sam, thank you very much for joining us this season, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so stoked to be here. I have been on the show before, but only as a guest. So as an official co-host, this season is going to be great. Like Hank was saying, this is the most optimistic I've been going into a season in a long time. So I am stoked. I am ready to go. And I'm excited to be part of the team. Guys, for me to be saying that, that says a lot because I'm usually (laughs) a bit of a worry wart when it comes to the Giants, if you've noticed from the past episode. But I don't know. Like I said, I can't. I'm excited. Let's here's hoping for another playoff season been too long let's hope as this show tonight has been much anticipated if you're new to this show this show is a new york football giants based show remember to follow us on on our instagram page and twitter at big blue avenue and our youtube channel which our goal tonight folks on this live stream is to get to 100 youtube subscribers by the end of tonight so if you can help us get there that would be awesome we're currently at 94 so i think If we keep reiterating that, we can get there. We're very close, and we put out a lot of good YouTube videos. And, of course, this show is an affiliate of Review and Preview Sports. So let's get to a couple of comments before we get into the nuts and bolts. John Rankin says, (laughs) I'm about old school mentality. Wow, what a fun duo. Two gods and one goddess. (laughs) That is so nice. That's how John Rankin. He's going to ham it up in the comments section, not watch. I love it. Absolutely. He's an awesome guy. Make sure to go check him out. He does a lot of Twitch streaming. And we have a really fun guest in store for you folks tonight. Ross Allen from 4th and Long Radio, all the way from Idaho. Denver Broncos superfan will be joining the show roughly around 740, 745 p.m. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, 
But my first topic that I want to get onto with, with each of you is some key offseason takeaways, because obviously the Giants had a very interesting offseason. We spent the bag in free, agents, in free agency outside of the New England Patriots. We spent the most money in the entire NFL. Um, Dave Gettleman really set us up well in the draft. But first and foremost, Hank, free agency was an awesome spending time for the Giants. We did something very out of the ordinary that our franchise usually doesn't do. Yeah, I mean, I th- free agency signings were pretty big, and it goes to show you Dave Gettleman went about this offseason like he knew that his job was on the line. And I think the moment he signed guys like Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, and, and Kyle Rudolph, that showed you that he was really all business. And look, Daniel Jones has a much better set of weapons this year than he had the previous season. So that's definitely something to look forward to, and that's something I'm very excited to see. Now, we can talk about what he did with the offensive line and how he may have taken a little too long to address that. But in any event, this year we can accuse Dave Gettleman of a lot of things and a lot of moves that he's made in years past, but you can't really accuse him of not trying this year because he wants another shot next year and – Here's hoping that his fingerprints can last and we'll see we'll see some of his good work last like before within the next few years. Let's hope. Uh, Sam, I know we had several segments with you throughout the course of the offseason on YouTube, but now tonight being our first live stream, uh, I just wanted to ask you and for you to share your initial thoughts on your favorite free agency acquisition? Because I think Hank and I both know the answer, but to the audience, who is your favorite acquisition this offseason? And he might be starting this Sunday, actually. Right. Um, I'm sure you guys know who he is. I've been very excited about it for quite some time. That's definitely got to be Kyle Rudolph, who is filling the tight end slot. Um, If you guys watched me on this show last season, I – could not say a lot of good things about Evan Ingram. So I am very excited to have somebody there that's I going to be more reliable, I think. And now Evan Ingram is injured, so he won't even be in this game on Sunday. Um, the obviously concerns with Kyle Rudolph is that he is much older. He's 31 years old, and he has some injuries under his belt um, from playing with the Vikings. But I have a lot of faith in him. I think that he's going to be a great addition to this offense, and he has a lot of red zone presence, which we were lacking, um, especially in the tight end position. So as a bigger guy, as a guy who can definitely block more than Evan Ingram can, I am very, very stoked to have Kyle Rudolph on our team, and um, hopefully our, our tight end slot improves a bit this season as opposed to last year, even though it was a Pro Bowl tight end, but... We won't, we won't even delve into that right now. Yeah, I mean, the big acquisition for me was obviously Kenny Galladay because of what he brings to the table. The Giants needed a bona fide number one wideout, and we finally got that player who is tall. He reminds me a lot of Plaxico Burris, who I know, Hank, you and I spoke countless times about him last season on our show where the Giants needed a player like that, and now they have one, but – Let's just briefly touch upon what the Giants have done this offseason. They added two first-round draft picks for 2022. They traded back in the second round 
from 42 to 50 to get the same player they would have taken. And then in the third round, yes, we did make a couple of trades here and there. We traded up to get Aaron Robinson, a cornerback in the third round. And then the Giants went on to add um, an edge rusher in the fourth and Ellerson Smith. And then our two sixth round picks were spent on Gary Brightwell and Rodarius Williams. So Dave Gettleman set the Giants up pretty good. We now have two draft picks in the first round in 2022. So if Daniel Jones is a pan out, you could potentially make that statement, although I do I don't necessarily agree with that statement, um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens this season. And, of course, in free agency, other additions outside of Galladay and Rudolph, Mike Glennon, a new backup quarterback, Devontae Booker, who was the first signing, a new backup running back, Colin Gillespie, who surprised some people on making the 53-man roster, but he's there, Adoree Jackson, we got our CB2, <laughs> Danny Shelton, virtually brought in to help replace that void missing by Dalvin Tomlinson. And then Reggie Ragland, a linebacker too, who we signed to replace David Mayo on a much cheaper deal. So overall, I think we did a really good job at not just giving Daniel Jones weapons, but we bolstered our defense too. Like we lost Dalvin Tomlinson, but we added a CB2 and we got better at a lot of different areas on this football team. I agree with that. Now, You mentioned Dalvin Tomlinson. I do want to say I think the two – really the only two key players that we lost in my eyes were, I would say, Dalvin Tomlinson and Kevin Zeitler. Now, between you, I don't know how you feel about this, Tom and Sam. I would say that Kevin Zeitler was probably the biggest loss just for the sheer fact that going into the season – and, heck, even though Dave Gettleman did a good job addressing them, albeit maybe late in the season – I still have a bit of concern about that offensive line. I'm not going to kid myself. And see, given his veteran presence, I think that's definitely somebody that, you know, could end up coming back to haunt them. But with that being said, given the salary cap situation, you knew he couldn't keep all of them. And I think keeping Zeitler seemed to have more monetary consequences as opposed to keeping uh, what's uh, Nate Solder, even mm-hmm. though like you might seem like it would be the other way around. But so I think he's the bigger loss. Dalvin Tomlinson, I think we all knew he wasn't going to be back after the season. We mentioned countless times the cycle of Giants with losing defensive tackles over the years. And not to mention, they've also done a really good job at replacing said defensive tackles over the years, too. So really, all in all, I I, I would say it's Kevin Zeitler, without a doubt. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you, Hank, Um, mostly because of those offensive line issues. Um, It is something I wish we might have addressed in the draft, at least with one draft pick. But I don't think we had a bad draft. I think that like uh, like you guys were saying, you know, Dave Gettleman set us up pretty good here. We bolstered our offense a lot, especially in free agency. So, uh, yeah, that my my most concern here is with the offensive line. And Kevin Zeitler leaving, I it's it's mostly because of the veteran presence, like you yeah. were saying, Hank. It, it's because it everybody here is super young, and they might have benefited from someone like him being there. But you know, Solder is there. I guess he can kind of fill that role. I don't know how well he will, but it, it the thing is that he was there for so long. He had. 85 consecutive games with the New York Giants like he he was he was a um um like a real piece in that offensive line so seeing him go was was a bit um shocking 
but I definitely think that our offensive line is our weakest point in this entire team. I think our defense is, was set up great. I think our secondary was set up great, especially with the addition of Adoree Jackson. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident, but I would say our offensive line is definitely our Achilles heel this year. Yeah, and we're going to be three for three on this discussion, I guess you would call it, not really a debate. Dalvin Tomlinson was, again, you can't replace a player like Dalvin Tomlinson, but you brought Austin Johnson back and you signed Danny Shelton. Those two contracts combined are around $5 million for this year. Dalvin Tomlinson alone would have cost you at least 12 to $13 million for this year. So you're getting two guys who do two different things, by the way, for $5 million that Tomlinson, basically he did both of those things. That's what made him really yeah. special. And I think at the end of the day, Zeitler will be missed a lot more than Dalvin Tomlinson. As much as I love Dalvin Tomlinson, I wish we could have retained him as well. But we do have a bunch of comments. Uh, one from my buddy Kevin. Expectations up, Kevin? on Daniel Jones for the first game of the season. Sam, I'll let you take that question. The expectations here for Daniel Jones is that he has the pieces in this offense that he didn't have last year that can definitely make him a fantastic starting quarterback. In terms of this game in particular, I think that he should be, you know, a, just, you know, on his toes. This defense is pretty strong, especially with the return of Von Miller. But I think that the expectations here is that he can perform. He has the pieces to perform. And unfortunately, this is going to come up probably a lot throughout this entire season is if Daniel Jones doesn't perform well, what are the Giants going to do next year with their draft picks? So I think Daniel Jones knows that his job is on the line. And if he doesn't perform the best in this third year, then, you know, it's obviously going to be a bit hard when the offseason rolls around. But Daniel Jones has the pieces. Like I said, he has the opportunity to do this. And I'm I'm gonna say I've been riding the Daniel Jones train since he was picked. I'm I'm I have a lot of faith in him. I think he can be really, really great. Hopefully this offensive line protects him so he can actually do the things that we want him to do. But the expectations for him here are quite high. But I have a feeling that he is going to perform to the best of his abilities. To uh to piggyback on your point about the offensive line, Tom and I have showed a lot of films over the past season. And one thing that we both have come to the consensus about was when Daniel Jones has time in the pocket, he's got the arm. He can make the accurate throw. Mm -hmm. I think the issue with Daniel Jones this, this year, you looked at the second half of the season. The, what was one thing everyone was complaining about with Daniel Jones? It was the turnovers. He only had, I believe, one or two turnovers in the second half of the season. And, Tom, you can fact check me on this if you want to, but I don't really – I don't think any of them were his fault, at least that I remember. So he definitely showed improvement in that area. With that being said, I completely agree with what you said, Sam. It's all about him getting protection from the offensive line. And also, in my honest opinion, you got to put the points on the scoreboard. And – Unfortunately, with the way the NFL is right now, it's a quarterback's league. And if you haven't really proved yourself in year three, then, then well, you're out of luck and good luck elsewhere. I'm sad to say, but that's the reality. I actually don't think this is the make it or break it year for Daniel Jones. And here's why. Do I think he has to take a leap? Yes, but he's only on the third year of his rookie deal. And knowing how the Giants are, the loyalty they have to their quarterbacks, I don't think they're going to 
get rid of Jones this year if he's, you know, okay. I think if he's subpar and if he's awful, then you have to consider moving on. But if he doesn't take a Josh Allen leap, I still think he's going to stay as the quarterback in 2022. We have a few comments here from Michael saying, let's go Broncos. Uh, Huge. What's good, my man? <laughs> I forgot, Hank. You're, you're friends with uh, the Broncos buddy or a non-Giants fan. I'm not, not going to assume that he's a Broncos fan. but No, he is. He is. He's, a, he's a hardcore Broncos fan. Probably the biggest, one of the biggest Broncos fans that lives in New York. What do, you, what do you think about this one? Broncos jersey for Sunday? Not in your life. <laughs> Not in your life. Von Miller going to be at up the Giants. Yeah, the, I mean, he's right in a way where Von Miller's probably going to have a day against Andrew Thomas or Nate Solder, whoever it may be. Uh, the Giants as a team, this is an interesting football team this year. 30, 31 players returned from the original 53-man roster. From 2020, nine offensive starters and nine defensive starters. That's the most important part where you see, well, 22 players left. Some of them are on the practice squad because the Giants improved their team. Guys like CJ Board, Jackson Barton, who were on the 53 band last year, are now on the practice squad. Nico Lelos is another where the Giants acquired so much depth in the offseason. They certainly improved their roster. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, and those 31 do not include the three COVID opt-outs. So if you add Nate Solder and Nate Beal, technically that number is 33. Um, I think this year, the biggest acquisition for the Giants, believe it or not, is going to be Ben Bredesen. I really think it's going to be Ben Bredesen because Shane Lemieux is playing on a partially torn patellar tendon or whatever that is. So Shane Lemieux, you know, is – he, we saw what he was 100% healthy last year on, on two legs. Now imagine that on one leg, right? I think Ben Bredesen is going to start at the guard position and make a difference on this offensive line. Um, he was drafted around the head of Shane Lemieux in 2020. So actually, that may be a dark horse pick, but that's my guy. Um, Hank, who do you think? Wow, I – First of all, I, I like that. I like that you went out of the box and went with, with an offensive lineman. And to expand on that point, I also could very well see Matt Skura somehow emerging as a starter in case somebody else gets hurt. Like, I know that he's primarily played center most of his career, but I could very well see him playing one of the guard positions. Remember, he played that in his first full season with the Baltimore Ravens in 2017, and that was when Marshall Yonda was injured. But sorry to go off on that little tangent, but – I'm going to say Kenny Galladay just for the sheer fact that, as we said, you have a wide receiver that's probably one of the best weapons that Daniel Jones may have potentially. And I could also see him being a very big red zone threat. And he's got the hands to catch that ball. Reminds me of somebody familiar who was a Super Bowl hero, which we will pretend that what happened after that Super Bowl never happened, but you know what I'm talking about. And then we also have a tight end who's got sure hands. I'm talking about Kyle Rudolph and another player that I could see being a red zone threat. So I really think it's got to be between those two, but I'm going to lead with Kenny Galladay slightly just because I think Daniel Jones really needs his big, big handed receiver that can be a good deep threat for the Giants. So I'm going to go with Kenny Galladay, but I do really like your choice, Tom. That's very out of the box thinking. 
I think you guys both have some really good picks here. And I'm I'm one to feel very safe about things. I like to have safety nets. Um, I feel like it's a nice little backup to have. So I'm going to go with someone who might not be the star, but is going to be a solid backup. And that's Devontae Booker. Because of the fact that Saquon is coming back from this injury. And I want him to be there the entire time. I want Saquon to be here the entire season and just be one of the top running backs in the league. However, it is a hard injury to come back from. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, he might just get limited reps um, like he's probably going to have this Sunday. And we might not be able to see Saquon in all of his glory, like right at the beginning. And I think having Devontae Booker there um, to have as a backup running back for Saquon is going to be really helpful for us because our run game is going to be, really strong with Saquon back and we want to keep that and we want to keep the strongness of the run game um, especially when Daniel Jones needs to hand off the ball so um, and obviously we keep mentioning the offensive line like we want Saquon to be able to like actually get through the people in order to do the Saquon things that we know he can do so I think that you know he's not like this glamorous choice but Devontae Booker I think is a very solid pickup and it's going to be really great especially when Saquon might be limited during a game yeah all three good choices uh let's move on to our next segment week one transactions just going over everything that's happened so the Giants terminated the contract of wide receiver CJ Board who was then added back to the practice squad terminated the contract of retired linebacker Todd Davis and waived wide receiver Austin Mack who was dealing with an injury throughout training camp and preseason. Uh, Kenny Wiggins, our guard, and defensive back Jordan Peters were also released from the practice squad. The Giants added a practice squad veteran and Corey Cunningham, who is a former New England Patriot who did play for Joe Judge. Um, However, all six of his career starts came with the Arizona Cardinals as a left tackle in the seventh round of the 2018 draft. So he has not played in a while. I wouldn't expect much from him couple other news, uh, the Giants restructure the contracts of Josh Jackson, Logan Ryan, and Sterling Shepard. So the Logan Ryan contract restructure converts most of his base salary, which is around $5.5 million, according to Dan Duggan from The Athletic, into a signing bonus, which is now allocated throughout the three years of his contract to make more cap space. This should add about $2 million to Ryan's cap hits in the two preceding years, 2022 and 2023. And before we get our thoughts on that, Sterling Shepard had his base salary of nearly $6 million converted into a signing bonus, which creates $4 million in cap space. So now Shepard's cap charge will go up by nearly $2 million in 2022. So I apologize for putting us all in math class for a moment, <laughs> but the Giants had to get under the cap. Oh, and Logan Ryan, I mean – is a guy who's been outstanding this offseason. I think he's well-deserving of that C on his jersey. He helped bring in players like Adoree Jackson and more. Um, The fact that he restructured his deal after getting a deal on Christmas Day last year really speaks volumes to the type of leader and type of player that he is. Oh, for sure. By the way, among those names you said, I just want to say, if there's anybody who deserves to be be in the playoffs this year, Sterling Shepard. Look at all he went through over the past few years with us. Absolutely. Sterling Shepard really just – he's been there through, I want to say thick and thin, but mostly thick. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that he he really just he deserves it. He really does. But yeah, the restructuring here, it, it works well for us for our cap space and the people who got their money deserved their money. So I think that this is this is going to work well. And they're and they're thinking forward to the future, right? They want to make sure that they have not only enough cap space throughout the entire season, but when the off season rolls around as well. So they're uh, you know math class or not, it's it's part of the game. You gotta. We got to know the numbers and, and that's uh, but they, I think they did a solid job here. Everybody got the money that they deserved. Adam Rothschild, let's go giants, but I fear this season will disappoint. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to agree I with that. Faith, Adam. Uh, I, I would have at least a little bit of hope and I see where he's coming from though, because no, I do too. Like I can see his argument that the giants go out there and, yeah, the worst thing that could happen is they finish six and eleven. Gettleman gets fired, and then Jones is left on this team entering a contract year with the same questions he's left with now. So I understand your point, but I, I I'm very optimistic about this season at the moment. Even though I am with caution, you know what I got to do again on that wooden table in front of me. Right. Otherwise, we'll be taking you to Philadelphia. Oh God, no! Literally. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so another comment, Kevin says, thanks. Definitely great points. Jones has to prove it this year with the many pieces he's been given. Thank you very much for that, Kevin. And, um, giants also bring back former special teams, captain Nate Ebner to the team who led all giants players with 332 special team snaps last year. This was a signing I felt really wasn't necessary because we already had CJ board and Colin Jalaspia. They were planning on bringing Nate Ebner back months ago in the offseason when he had to back out of the uh, Summer Olympics rugby team that he was trying out for. But what good does he do besides special? I mean, I get it, but you already have your special teams captain in Graham Gano. You have acquired a gunner in Keon Crossan, and now you're bringing Nate Ebner back. I feel like it's just a waste of a roster spot for a pure special teams player. I understand the keen emphasis, but I just don't get it. I think this is um, the soft spot of Joe Judge. I think that he has um, this uh, soft spot for special teams, uh, figuring that was his specialty back in New England. So I'm sure that he um, focuses on special teams in a different way that other head coaches wouldn't. So maybe he thinks that having him is going to add something to the special teams. But honestly, I agree. I, I don't know what exactly that is, but Joe Judge seems to know his special team, so maybe he brought him back for a reason. He also played under him with the Patriots, too, so I think that might be another factor. It's all these connections. He favors certain players over others, and we see it here clearly with Nate Ebner coming back for another season. Hopefully he does well. Um, number changes. Carter Coughlin will switch his number from 49 to 52. And Ellerson Smith, who's currently on short-term IR, will switch his number from 58 to 94. So he will be taking Dalvin Tomlinson's old number. And now um, we start to preview the uh, Giants game a little bit with the Denver Broncos. Ross Allen from 4th and Long Radio will be joining us shortly. Uh, well, this is the 14th matchup between these two teams. And Hank, you noted that the Giants lead the all-time series seven to six, which includes their first ever Super Bowl victory. 
back in 1987, the 1986 season. So correct. That was fun. And another fun fact: the last home win against the Broncos came in Week Seven of 2005. Eli Manning, one of the first comeback victories of his career, a touchdown pass to the well-dressed Amani Toomer. Wasn't the first time Imani Toomer actually had a clutch touchdown catch against the Denver Broncos. 1998 gave them their first one of only two losses that Super Bowl championship team had on the season. But just another example of how great Imani Toomer was and how clutch he was. And by the way, let me give you another fun fact about that game. That actually might be one of the earliest giant games that I can remember, believe it or not, that went against the Broncos. And it was great to really see an early glimpse of how clutch Eli Manning was. And I, it was one of those games that really told me that he was going to do something great for the Giants in the future. And I'm glad I'm glad that I was proven right. Yeah, it's it's going to be a crazy it's going to be a crazy week for sure. I mean, there, there's a lot going on. We know 20th anniversary of 9-11 is on Saturday. The Giants played the Broncos on September 10th, 2001. So you got to think the NFL may have set set it up this way. Week one, um, and it's I'm I'm surprised that the line we opened up as two and a half point dogs. Um, you know, I was a little surprised by that. Do you, uh, Sam, do you, do you think that was a fair line for this team? Um, I think. Well, okay, yes and no. Yes, because I think a lot of people are expecting last year's Giants, and they're not thinking of um, the Giants of this year that have a lot more potential. Um, but also I, I don't know. I, I have a, I think that it's just like people's mindsets are so stuck at, you know, NFC least and the giants aren't that good and, and, you know, this and that. So I think people are thinking Denver's going to win this game, but I honestly, I'm it surprised me as well. I've been, uh, looking on Twitter and things like that. And people are just saying like, they're going to get blown out. Like, I really don't think we are. That's not the, that's not what I'm thinking as well. At least like, Right, like th- this can't be something that we're just blown out of the water and like not even do good at all. I think there's so many parts of this team that can be very, very good, especially this year with everybody coming back and ready to go. And yeah. I don't know, that's just my thought. I think this is going to be a very tight, low-scoring game. Both teams yeah. have good defenses, especially the Broncos, who may have the best secondary in all of football. Uh, before we bring up our guest, Ross, just want to announce the Giants did name their team captains on Monday. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Nick Gates, Blake Martinez, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, and Graham Gano. I think that's all well-deserved. Mm-hmm. It's all the same as last year, except Gano replaced Ebner. Um, Tomlinson was replaced by Logan Ryan, which we all expected. The one shocker was not shocker, but maybe slight surprise was probably Nick Gates. But from what we know, Nick Gates is the anchor that runs the ship on that offensive line. He stuck up to Aaron Donald last year in that week four game. He wasn't afraid to go after him. So uh, before we bring up Ross, just want both of you brief, brief thoughts on Nick Gates being a captain this year. I like it. He's one of the more versatile members of this offensive line and pretty much the Ironman of this line. Because I believe he was the only guy to start all 16 games, if I'm not mistaken. And someone who has his teammates back, I no complaints from me whatsoever. I think I think you said it, Tom. I think the fact that anybody who goes up against Aaron Donald in that way should should get like a million dollars, to be honest with you, because that man is so terrifying. But yeah, I think he's well deserved. Everyone else here is well deserved. 
Blake Martinez. I mean, I'm a big fan of Blake Martinez, so I'm I'm really stoked to see him, especially since he's still a fairly new guy to this team, only you know recent in this and last year. So yeah, I'm I'm digging all these all these captains this year. Couple comments. Robert Rose has great insight as usual. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. Alec Walt, I need Kenny Galladay to stay healthy this year. I will be unstoppable in a few fantasy leagues if he does. I'm with you. Let's hope he does. One of the best contested catch receivers in the NFL. On that note, let's bring up our very special guest from 4th and Long Radio. This guy does like eight or nine IG posts a day. He is very dedicated. He does a lot of great work. Ross Allen from 4th and Long, welcome to the show. Ross, how are you, my friend? Well, I feel a whole lot better now with that fantastic intro. So, uh, I mean, you're really good at stroking my ego if that's what we're trying to go with. But no, oh man, it's it's great to be on. And I mean, today is the day that we get the return of NFL and it's about damn time. And a big game uh, for both teams coming up this Sunday, a really important opener that, I mean, both teams, there's a lot of the pro side, there's a lot of the con side and it's a big proving game for either team. It's a really good way to set the tone. Um, and both teams are in similar positions with where they are right now. So, man, I'm super excited. And it's going to be good to talk some football. Awesome. And before we get there, we want to hear all your thoughts on the game and your prediction. But why don't you briefly tell the folks uh, listening or watching who may not know what you do over at 4th and Long Radio? Of course. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm the head host and the owner. And, I mean, I'll give myself all the fun titles. <laughs> That's what I like to do. But over at Fourth and Long, of course, you can find all of our stuff over our website at um, thefourthandlong.com. Uh, we do NFL stuff. We do um, um, UFC stuff. We do AFL stuff. That's Australian football. And that's a pain in the ass to try to watch. Of course, we stream at like 3.30 in the morning my time. Uh, so it's a whole – It's a, it takes some dedication. But we do all this stuff. We do a few shows a week. We got all these YouTube videos. And like you alluded to, got plenty of stuff over on the Instagrams and the Twitter. So on Twitter, you follow us at 4th Long Radio. Instagram at 4th Long Radio. Super active. And uh, anything, we post anything and everything. So go check us out. Awesome. And welcome to our crew. Now, Hank, Sam, and I are going to ask you just a few questions, kind of get your thoughts on this game. And I guess I'll dive into the first one. And the Denver Broncos, obviously, had the ninth overall pick in the draft this year. This is a football team that struggled last year, but one strength was their secondary. They, in my opinion, have a, at worst, a top two secondary in the NFL, uh, especially with the addition of drafting Patrick Sertan, who. Mm-hmm. I thought was going to be the first quarterback taken. I think Hank can agree with this and Sam probably too, as opposed to JC Horn. So the fact that he was there for you at nine, considering the Panthers took a corner is a score quite frankly, but where do you rank this Denver Broncos secondary? Well, first off with Patrick Sertan, I, uh, I was, I was like not disappointed to get him. I mean, there's, I think we lost you, Ross. Is he okay? I think his mic just got unplugged or something. Having a little technical difficulty here. Um, (laughs) While while Ross um, regains his connection, we'll we'll give him a minute to get squared away, um, and then we'll add Ross back once he's ready. Ross, do you just give us the thumbs up backstage when you're good to go? Oh, 
Oh, he's good already. Well, I'm really rough. sorry about that. Obviously, we're not off to the great story here. <laughs> oh, oh, man, don't you just love when technology doesn't work for you? I mean, I guess it's a little easier for me because we don't do live shows, but you guys are live, so uh, you can't mess up there. And looks like I did. I apologize, <laughs> but we're good to go here. <laughs> so let's hey, talk nothing a little, thing, right? Nothing a little YouTube editing can't fix. <laughs> See, exactly. I spent enough time in the studio. Everything looks like it's perfect the first take. Uh but with Patrick Sutan, I was obviously happy that the Broncos were able to get him. He was a great acquisition um, to this team. I was a little surprised with it. But, I mean, if we throw it back to night one of the NFL draft, I mean, let's, I mean, we all remember the Aaron Rodgers rumors that were, that were going around. Oh, man, when I saw those when I was finishing up my, my class, um, man, I was super excited. End up not getting him. We'll get him next season, so it's okay. But Patrick Sutan, a fantastic <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll uh, share my false sets of confidence. Uh, you know, Love the hot takes, man. There. Oh, oh man! Uh, if you guys don't know, I am I'm just chock full of them. But this secondary unit is looking to be just fantastic because I mean, you got Kareem Jackson, you got Justin Simmons, who's arguably, in, in my opinion, he's the best safety in the NFL right now. He got paid handily, definitely deserves it. There, guys like Ronald Darby is good. Bryce Callahan. Of course, you got um, got guys like I mean uh, Kyle Fuller. You got Patrick Sertan there. It's it's loaded not only with the starters but with the depth there as well. And so I'm really excited and kind of like you guys are talking about. I I mean I don't want to be a homer, but I truly believe that they have the best um, secondary unit in the NFL. I mean they're up there with uh, the teams around them, the Browns. I really like what the Dolphins have going. Obviously the Rams, the Green Bay Packers. I think the Broncos could have the strongest secondary in the league. They have one of the best safeties. They have arguably the best inside cover cornerback. And so I'm super excited to see what they can. It's, I mean, throw it back. The head on wearing for the Super Bowl run. I remember how just historically good that defense was, especially that secondary unit. So no fly zone 2.0. And I am very, very excited with, with the defense that they got going on right now. Ross, before I get to Sam's question, I just I want to throw it back to draft night when the Broncos picked Patrick Sertan, and you had this keen reaction. All right, this is Ross on the Fourth and Long Radio, and your resident Broncos fan and Broncos Nation. Let's get the celebration going because not only do they bring in Patrick Sertan, the second with the ninth overall pick, a pick that I was actually pretty surprised about. I was expecting maybe a Slater, maybe Justin Fields, and thank God it wasn't Mac Jones. But I certainly wasn't expecting this, but. I'm not complaining. I have no problems with this. I have no qualms about this pick because Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan, they're on contract years, and they need some reassurance in that secondary that's been haunting him, haunting the Broncos for probably like the past two or three seasons. <laughs> you noticed I cut off the end there where hey, you made a bold prediction. <laughs> I noticed that, and it's okay because we're just going to bump it this season. It's it's all good. It's still going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a uh, that's really funny. The the uh, I'm so glad it wasn't Mac Jones thing. That really resonates. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, the question- I'm to clear. I'm still okay with that. Still happy with that. <laughs> um, the question I have for you actually is related to quarterbacks. So obviously you guys have been rolling with Drew Lock for a while, but Teddy Bridgewater is your QB one here, and obviously he had some success, especially with the New Orleans Saints uh, when. Um, Drew Brees was hurt. Mm-hmm. So 
now you guys have Drew Locke on your roster still. Do you think that Drew Locke is going to have a shot to kind of make his way back up to QB1? Do you think he's going to end up somewhere else? Are you going to put him on the market? What do, what do you think is going to happen with him? Okay. Yeah, no, um, Tate Bridgewater, he's, I've liked him ever since he was with the Vikings and had that brutal knee injury that really derailed his career. Seeing time with the Saints, with the Panthers, I believe he went 5-0 and with the Saints when uh, Drew Brees was out there. And to be honest, when they named Teddy Bridgewater the starter, I was a little bit confused and almost a little bit surprised by that because Drew Locke looked, I mean, it's only preseason, so of course we got to take everything we see with a grain of salt. Um, but Drew Locke, from where he looked last season to where he looked in this preseason, looked like a different quarterback. He looked so much better. He looked a lot more poised in the pocket. His accuracy was there. His decision-making was heavily improved. There are two quarterbacks like, uh, what you got to look at a lot of this? So Drew Locke, ceiling raiser. Teddy Bridgewater, floor raiser. And this is kind of just the mentality that the Broncos are going with here, where with Vic Fangio. So apparently um, there's some controversy. Vic Fangio, bigger fan of Teddy Bridgewater, the new GM, first-year GM, George Patton, bigger fan of Drew Locke. So they're not getting rid of Drew Locke anytime soon. In fact, I still think there's a great chance that we could see Drew Locke play this season. I believe they're going to be going to the season with a, not a short leash, but – it's not going to be a long leash with Teddy Bridgewater. If we see him start to struggle, if we see the Broncos offense look limited, if we see them start to look like they're wasting those weapons, like Cortland Sun, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy. I mean, Javante Williams is looking great as a rookie. Melvin Gordon's still too. You almost forgot about him with how good Javante Williams was looking. And a, a good offensive line in front of him as well. I mean, Nick, uh, Garrett Bowles might have been, he was my most improved player last season. He was a god-awful tackle that turned in, to a stud top five tackle top three tackle depending on who you're talking about um but the broncos are holding on to drew lock drew lock is still i believe that drew lock is still the future in denver Tate bridgewater more of just a stopgap at the moment kind of like the, what they've had ever since uh <laughs> manning left and spent torture <laughs> yeah that that loss of peyton manning was you guys had that last good year and you mm-hmm. you hung on to it and then Peyton Manning left, and it's been a, it's been pretty rough since then, right? Yeah. Worth it. They got a Super Bowl. That, that's, that's very that true. <laughs> hey, I mean, no pun intended, but every good Colt becomes a Bronco. See what hey, I did there? It's it's a fact. I like. Yeah, no, I saw that all the time when uh, when um, Peyton Manning made that move, and just one of the many solid moves that John Elway made during his ten years GM with the Broncos, but also some not so good moves to go along with that. <laughs> I always feel like it's harder for a former quarterback who was a star to really properly evaluate a talented quarterback. I don't know if that's just me, but that that's just my take on John Elway as a GM. I don't know if it was just a quarterback. That was a problem, though. <laughs> no, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I, I understand that. Problem. Like, I guess there's a little bit of correlation there. It's almost like a, a, a boomer bust. Either they're really good at you know analyzing quarterback prospects or they're just really bad with it. John Elway. Ooh, Brock Osweiler. Uh, man. Mm. Ouch. Thank God he left to the Texans. <laughs> that was a bullet there. Definitely. Well, anyways, speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about wide receivers. So 
as we know, Tim Patrick was actually the leader for the Broncos with six <laughs> receiving touchdowns last year. and Heavily Jerry, underrated receiver. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, he is pretty underrated. <laughs> Jerry Judy last year, let me pull up his stats for you. He had 856 <laughs> receiving yards, but only three touchdowns. Some might look at that as a disappointment, but when you really look at the quarterback play of the Broncos, I feel like I feel like it really isn't entirely his fault. So what I want to know is, do you think that this is going to be the year that Jerry Jones is going to break out? Or Jerry Judy, rather. It's all good. Why am I thinking of the geriatric Cowboys owner? <laughs> Man, you think Jerry Jones would be the last name to come out of a Giants fans? I don't know. I was... I don't know. The J the Jays threw me off. I don't <laughs> no, know. I, it's all good. We know what you meant there. Um, Jerry Judy has to, to, to wear a good amount of the blame of his perceived failure last season. Let, let's call it as it is. He, he didn't yeah. live up to expectations. That's failing. That's not right. a bad thing. That's just how it was. Mm-hmm. Jerry Judy, although his quarterbacks weren't great. I mean, the most elite quarterback in the NFL, Joe Flacco, did not have a great season per se uh, last year. Drew Locke, iffy in spots a lot of the season. But Jerry Judy had a lot of drops and a lot of killer mm-hmm. drops and killer moments. So that was really tough to watch, in my opinion. Jerry Judy, though, he's on he's on track for a outstanding season because he's going to be lined up with guys like KJ Hamler, who's just blows the top off a of defense with how damn fast that guy is. I think, I think one of his fastest runs was when he was at Penn state that it wasn't like a stop to, uh, or is isn't from stop, but they took a 40 yard dash from when he was running, I think around like a, a four, one, uh, 40, something along those lines. So that dude's blazing fast. Cortland son, fantastic receiver. It's going to be great to have him. Hopefully I'll knock on wood here. For a full season, nice and healthy, no offense there. So Jerry Judy is in a really good spot there. He's surrounded by talent, and that's only going to help him. It's only going to give him a little more space. But it's not like he needs space just because about how much damn separation this guy gets. Jerry Judy is one of the best and purest route runners in the league already. He's only a sophomore. Just comes down to catching the football. So I really like Jerry Judy. I could definitely see him breaking a thousand yards this season and around that six seven eight touchdown range also good i mean ah it's a little late for this but he would have been a good pickup in fantasy late round if he could (laughs) yeah i also think um a guy like noah fant could potentially benefit from improved quarterback play this year i mean he has Mm -hmm. top tight end uh top 10 tight end talent so that'll be interesting to monitor but my next question for you is von miller who returns from an injury this season um, he's a guy I really like on your linebacking core. Josie Jewell as well was second on the team last year with 112 mm-hmm. tackles. But uh, Von Miller specifically, Ross, w- what is he going to bring to the table in this week one matchup? Because if if you're a Broncos fan and I'm looking at the Giants' two tackles, Nate Solder, who didn't play last year and is going to be 33 years old soon, mm-hmm. check. Andrew Thomas, who's is coming off a mediocre rookie campaign and looked awful in training camp, check if i'm von miller i mean i might be the nfl sack leader by the end of week one i am so like no offense to giants man no offense to them none taken you have two tackles that are turnstiles that are also made out of paper mache okay so (laughs) if you're von miller and now for one of the first times ever we get to see him lined opposite 
of Bradley Chubb. You're going to see these two guys on opposite sides of the football. And if you're offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, if you're Daniel Jones this game, you just have to be shaking in your cleats right now. If you're Von Miller, if you're Bradley Chubb, oh man, this is one hell of a game to get things started because like, like you just laid out, the recipe for success, it's there. And they're so ready. I mean, if you're, they're going to take advantage of any team with a pass rush, uh, with their pass rush and rushing the quarterback, it's probably going to be the, the Giants are probably going to be one of those teams here. Um, interior, they're a little better. Um, exterior, oh, it's not looking good. But Von Miller, oh man, honestly, I, I could see a return because if we, if we, I think the league kind of forgot about Von Miller since he missed last year. I think they kind of forget how damn good this guy is. He averages about 0.8 sacks a game. And that's above or on par with Hall of Famers like Julius Peppers, Jared Allen, and um, future Hall of Famer Demarcus Ware, and current um, uh, top pass rushers in the league, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, and Shaq Barrett. Um, all really good players. This, this guy, Von Miller, is absolutely nasty. He's so damn quick off the football. And, I mean, I don't think a lot of people saw this, but he's, I mean, if we remember one of my favorite games of all time was the Broncos versus Patriots in the AFC Championship game in uh, 2016 when they made that Super Bowl run. He was reading Tom Brady's snap count. A guy, like one of the hardest snap counts to read. Tom Brady is uh, one of the, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's obviously really good at, you know, throwing defenses off on not, um, and keeping them guessing. Von Miller was able to jump the snap almost every play he was on the field. And he's even led that to, uh, he's even taught Bradley Chubb that art of being able to jump the football and be able to time the snap perfectly. His get off is arguably the best in the league when he's healthy. So Von Miller, like Jerry Judy, is primed for a huge season this year, and I'm very, very excited, and I'm all here for it. He's even got a Super Bowl MVP, which is very rare for a linebacker, too. Mm-hmm. I should point that out. Well, well with that game, ain't no one winning the, in the, winning the Super Bowl MVP besides him. <laughs> Only the third awesome. linebacker to have a Super Bowl MVP, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Yeah. Or at the time, he was the third. Mm-hmm. Just really good stuff there. And also, it's going to help. The quarterback's going to have to – I mean, the quarterback's first read's probably not going to be there. Even their second read might not be there with how damn good the secondary unit is. So everything is just, like, lining up perfectly for Von Miller this season. So that's why I'm so excited to see him. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's great to see him return. And I'm really looking forward to see him too, although – Maybe not so much against my offensive line, but maybe I'm, not week one. But the other maybe not week three. one. But I'm looking forward to see him terrorizing other quarterbacks in the ASC. And matter of fact, I actually do think the Broncos have a bit of a high ceiling. But I'll we'll get to that later. Okay. For now, though, my question is about your head coach, and that's Vic Fangio. We know mm-hmm. he's been an assistant coach for a long time, and it took him until I believe the 2019 season for him to finally get his first shot at a head coaching job. Yep. And so. My question to you is, we know it's he's obviously going to be on the hot seat because it's the third year. The Broncos have been kind of eh, mediocre the first two years. Is it really fair to put him up there, or do you blame that more on the lack of like maybe a quality quarterback play or lack of a solid team around him? Or is it hand-in-hand? Hand? Well, if you look at the quarterbacks, like, like you mentioned, from uh, that Vic Fangio has had, he's now entering his third season, is a head coach of the Denver Broncos, and his quarterbacks have been Joe Flacco, uh, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, among others. Uh, they've had um, some of those guys. They've had 
a practice squad wide receiver as a quarterback. So obviously it hasn't been great. Uh, and those three guys, so Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, um, a they have a career um, at, or an average career QBR of seventy four. That's that's not good. I, I I know you don't have to be a it's football not. expert to know that. <laughs> like I think it's like I say a lot of hot takes. I don't think it's hot take to say that's not great. Okay, <laughs> and, no. and and that's not the one out of hundred. That's one out of one hundred fifty four point. Six, four, three. You yeah. you know you know that one. Uh, the 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 number that I don't understand how the hell they get it. Um, it's magic. Uh, but <laughs> these, it, it's been a tough. He's he has been in a great situation. His first couple years as a head coach. Also, he's a defensive guy, so I can't really blame him for the lack of offensive success. Obviously, he's a head coach, so he's going to have to bear the, the brunt of a lot of it. But he, the Broncos didn't bring him in to, for him to run an offense. They brought him in to bring uh, run a great defense, and he's done that the last couple of seasons. Now, it, it, the numbers might be skewed with the points given up, yards given up, but it doesn't help that they've had a god-awful offense for two years and have your defense on the field for 75% of the game isn't a recipe for success so i wouldn't say he's on the hot seat i'd say he's his seat's definitely warm it's definitely it's not comfortable right now but i think there's a really low chance that he gets fired something catastrophic is going to happen is going to have to happen for him to be fired this season or after this season but he's definitely primed for he's easily in, in the best position he's ever been in as a as a head coach of Denver Broncos way better than Vance Joseph look at this man having the time of his life um <laughs> uh, I'm sorry one, I cannot get that out of my head <laughs> one of the most legendary <laughs> sideline quotes of Sergio Depp <laughs> <laughs> Every time I bring up Vance Joseph, I have to bring up that quote. <laughs> Glad you guys appreciate that. But uh, Vance Joseph, like the Broncos, is going to have a good season, and he's going to get a fourth year with this team. Uh, I'm, I'm 93 and a half percent confident. Coach somewhere else. That's very specific. Yes, yes. 93 um, and a half. Well, yeah. I like that, though. 93 and a half. Nothing lower, nothing higher. 93 and a half. What's funny is like the one of the things that I remember about Vic Fangio's like I think it was his first year coaching was he had kidney stones in preseason and he coached through the pre- through the preseason with kidney stones and I was like that's a guy like that is a tough guy he that's was on the sidelines football as a guy stone. that's a yes. straight up football guy yes that's a football guy right there that's a football move man that <laughs> mm, that was that one. was I was excellent when I was just like. Oh, we're talking about Vic Fangio's kidney stones. That's a fun <laughs> storyline to be discussing. Vic Fangio not having the time of his life with kidney stones on the sideline. <laughs> not having the time of his life. Um, our last question that we have for you. Um, I think a lot of people can say that I am like the drama queen in terms of I just love the drama. Um, Fair enough. And I've, I have, I've like, seen I'm, some of your stuff. I, I agree. Yes, I I love on my own podcast. I love talking about all the tea. It's great. So there is a bit of tea to spill here, which um, I'm excited to ask you about. So your former running back, Monty Ball, decided to say, and I have his direct quote here, um, the Giants should be a walk, a cakewalk. 
we should go into New York and obviously come out with a W there. So with him coming out saying that, obviously he has a lot of, you know, confidence in this team. Does this make you nervous to go into week one with him saying this with all this confidence? Or, or are you like, yeah, no, I totally agree with him. No, this doesn't make me nervous at all. You want to know why? But also doesn't bring confidence. The reason is, because who cares what Monty Ball has to say? <laughs> who cares? Look yeah, at why? look at this guy. He was supposed to be this new all-star running back coming out of college, and he was an alcoholic that could have run the football and fumbled all the time. I'm, like I'm, I, I'm not trying to be like attack this guy personally because obviously I don't know him. But who cares about Monty Ball? Who gives a damn? Was he like with the Broncos like seven, eight years ago? Why is he relevant? <laughs> They're talking so, to him. They're trying to get him. I almost choked on my water after hearing that. <laughs> so, okay, Monty. Oh, but let's let's look into the quote here. Let's 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 look into the quote. Be a little professional here, Ross. Uh, the Giants are not a cakewalk. They're not a bad team. They're almost underrated because everyone – I mean, it's one of the easiest teams to crap on. It just is. They're in the worst division in football. It, it, like, there is all this ammunition to make fun of the Giants. That's just a fact. Also, to be fair, there's a lot of ammunition to make fun of the Broncos. Neither team has been that great recently. Um, uh, thank God that the uh, Broncos have won a Super Bowl more recently than the Giants have. But also shout out to the Giants and Eli Manning for stopping Tom Brady from winning two more Super Bowls. Uh, so I always got to be thankful for them, even though Eli Manning, uh, is not a hall of famer and, uh, okay. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Turn, whoa, whoa, turn whoa, the volume whoa. down, turn the volume down. We're not going down this road. Oh, I know. I just had to talk some smack. He'll make it in, uh, definitely not first ballot. At least he might, he's going to eventually get in. Uh, but of course that's a different topic. I had to talk about that being in the group with giants fans here. Oh, it's, of course. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Can, can you blame me? I it, think just, the debate is if he's a first ballot or not. The the debate isn't Hall of Fame or not. I think the debate is where when does he get in, right? He's I think more that's the argument. Of a Hall of Famer than Tony Romo is, at least. Uh, oh so, yeah. So, so he, has, right. <laughs> he has that going from I'll see I'll give him four ballots. I'll give him four. Fair. Okay. I think that's reasonable. But oh. back to the point with Monty Ball talking <laughs> um smack in a in a um kind of in a scenario where he shouldn't really be opening his mouth here. I don't know why. Um, I mean, the Broncos cut him for good reason. Um, I mean, he's more of alcohol than Matt Prater, but at least Matt Prater was good for the team. Um, man, I really am getting personal and off the field today. That's, that's not like me, but yeah, right. Shoot. Um, like, like I was saying, the, the Giants are on cakewalk. They're a little more of an underrated team just because they're one of the more made fun of teams. I'm not saying they're a great team. I don't believe that. I believe they'll struggle to be a good team, if I'm being honest here, um, just because there's a lot of things going against them, and they also play some tough defenses. I mean, you have to play the Washington football team twice, and their offense, we'll, we'll wait and see. I, I actually really like what Washington is doing this year, um, and their defense is going to be – they might even be top five this season. So that's not great. Um, and then the Cowboys, at least on paper, their defense is good, but also we saw that worked out for them last year. This is going to be a closer game. I know before I came on, we were talking about the point spread here. Was it was it Broncos two and a half? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think it's going to be a one-score game here. I think it comes down to I'll take the over just by like – I'll take Broncos by four in this one. 
But I think that's really reasonable. There's a lot of new moving pieces for each of these teams, and it's always tough to get going immediately in week one. I think the Broncos have a bit more of an advantage there because it's easier for a defense to get going early than it is an offense, typically and historically speaking. Normally, offensive lines take a lot longer to get acclimated to the season than defensive lines do. Um, So, game. Not cakewalk. It's a winnable game. The Broncos should win this game. This is a should win. Will they blow it? There's a damn good chance there. It's the Denver Broncos. Come on now. But no, I I don't like what Monty Ball had to say. I think he's... (laughs) I agree and disagree. Um, I actually think the Giants should win this game. Um, Being that it's at home. I think if it was at mile high, then I would agree. I would say home Denver. split game, the split stadium. You have true, the Jets but... running around there. You have a black cat that's more of a home team than the than the Giants are sometimes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, true, that's but, um, no. The no, cat's it's... great though. The cat's a great mascot. Honestly, look, I'm worried about guys. Like uh, I don't know what your injury report's been looking like. I don't know. It's if, if, looking Brad... very positive right now. Uh, more positive than the Giants, at least. I mean, uh, we have our starting tight end, which is nice. <laughs> Oh no! I mean, I'm totally fine with Ingram not playing. I mean, he he could go play some volleyball. But this, I, I'm more confident in Kyle Rudolph than Evan, Evan Ingram. I'm worried about Saquon too, and Kenny Galladay. So, listen, is questionable, right? Galladay's gonna play. Okay. Um, Barkley will play. Ingram won't. Ingram probably is gonna miss the first two to three weeks of the season. How's Andrew Thomas looking? Um. Not too great, but to be fair, like, you know, I mean, it's preseason, right? We can only judge these guys so much. Um, I think he's mm-hmm. going to take strides in year two. I mean, he okay. kind of has to. Um, number four overall pick. I think last year he was playing on an injury that was not noted mm. by, by the, the media, which could have deterred his play a little bit, but yeah. that doesn't leave any excuses out there to say why his play was so poor the first eight weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like where I'm at with that. But um, Ross, is, is there is there anything you wanted to add on the Denver Broncos? Obviously this is a, a Pat Shermer homecoming. So I'm, I'm, I really, I really hope that. Um, him? Yeah. Him. Hank. Does he get applauded when he steps into MetLife? Uh, or your bets? I'm going to, I'm going to go with no. I would only because of the way he treated Eli Manning. Mm. He treated him a lot better than that's who we showed. Well, yeah. No, no, but he, he, I forgot about that guy. He, he's the one who <laughs> shall not be named. But yeah, I mean, you guys get the point, right? I mean, I didn't mm. love Pat Shermer, but I liked him as a person just because I didn't like him as a coach. That doesn't mean I think he was, you know, I think he's a good person. I just, he's more of an offensive mind. That's why he succeeded in Minnesota, and he's mm-hmm. hopefully going to succeed with Denver's offense as well. You know, there's yeah. some young talent there. So, um, on Denver's yeah. side, isn't Bradley Chubb? Doesn't he have an ankle injury, or what? Did he? he did he? Um, the warrant for him and his detain um, detainment was more of an issue than the ankle. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was that was a worrying situation. But no, both Bradley Chubb and Von Miller are going to be on a bit of a um kind of kind of a snap count here. Yeah. Or um um I guess a. Um, they're going to be having a limited. They're not going to be full bore. They're probably going to be mostly third down, second or first and in, in third down, which is an issue because you got guys like Deshaun Williams. I mean, in the interior with Mike Purcell and Draymond Jones, 
those are still really solid guys up front. So I'm not super worried. And even um, like Malik Reed is is a really solid backup. So they're not, I mean, they're going to be semi-limited this game. So yeah, that's going to take them a little bit, but I still um, think they'll be able to find some success early, early enough in uh, um, when they're still playing. Awesome. Now, Ross, before we let you go here, is there anything you wanted to add on this game? I know you're predicting a Broncos victory, but um, obviously 20, 20 year anniversary of nine 11, these two teams played the night before that happened. Um, are, are you, are you looking forward to seeing these two teams clash again? Like these teams only meet four times a year. So this, this is a pretty special moment and event that the NFL kind of mm-hmm. set it up this way. I think it was a good move by, by the NFL's schedulers. I know I, I hate a lot of them because they've been piss poor. A lot of the time we see teams like, I mean, not this season, but we see teams like the Chiefs play, have a schedule with that. Their opponents are combined like 400 win, win record. It's, it's has been great, but I digress. Uh, Roger Dell, I blame him for that. I blame him for everything bad with the NFL because he deserves it. Um, hurry up and make Peyton Manning the commissioner. And I'm really good with these tangents. Um, I, I know you guys have know this, so I'll uh, focus on, <laughs> on the question here. Oh, um, I don't know. With, with the Broncos... I, I mean, it's going to be a spectacle. New York, nine eleven. Um, I'm, I'm excited for that. It's going to be a really important day um, there on Sunday. It's obviously it's, it's going to be more than just a game, so that's huge. Um, and obviously emotions are going to be flying high. It's opening day. You got all this stuff going on, so I'm really excited for this game. I think it's a really good first game for the for both the the New York Giants and the Denver Broncos here. And all I'm saying, uh. I'm predicting Broncos win. It's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be probably low 20s. It, it, it probably at the highest. I don't think anyone breaks into the 30s in this one. The Broncos are really talented in not breaking into the 30s. So are the Giants. So <laughs> both teams are fairly even when it comes to scoring. But for the Broncos season, at least, I have they have a high ceiling. Uh they might be the most – I don't even want to sound like a homer, so I've kind of avoided saying this, but the Broncos might be one of the most underrated teams in the entire NFL this year. Because if you look at just the roster, I mean, maybe besides the quarterback position, but you got a really solid running back duo with Melvin Gore and Javante Williams, Corlin Sutton, um, K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, a improved offensive line here. Garrett Bowles, one of the best left tackles in the game right now. Dalt Risner, a young guy that's coming into his own and is already looking good. Lloyd Cushenberry from the center from LSU. He had a questionable season last year. wasn't the best, but um, he's seen a lot of growth um, is what the, the reports are um, during this preseason. And so I've been very happy to hear that. And their defense, I mean, we've already talked about their defense. Their defense is really good. They have the potential to have a – I mean, their secondary is the best in the league. They have the potential to have a top three defense in general. And so we saw how how good the Broncos can be. As long as they have a really good defense, they can win the Super Bowl with a guy that's able to lead the offense but also has a noodle arm. Um, so, I mean, you run the football, you play really good defense, and you yep. do enough as a quarterback. Teddy Bridger, Bridgewater right, right now is by far a more talented quarterback than what – um, Peyton Manning was in his last season with the Broncos, and we saw just how damn good they could be. Um, Tay Bridgewater is a little bit better at pushing the ball down the field, is what I've seen this preseason. But also, he's just a smart guy. He's a veteran guy. He knows when to make plays and when to not. And the Broncos are smart with the football. They're able to have 
a positive turnover ratio. I see a lot of success for them. Obviously, they're in a bit of a tough division, playing the Chiefs and the Chargers twice. I mean, the Raiders. Yeah, they're the Raiders. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But their, their schedule isn't the easiest, but it's also not the hardest. So I think the Broncos, they're a dark horse playoff team. Will they make it this year? Probably not. I can see them closer to like nine and seven or nine and eight, excuse me, worth the 17 games and maybe a 10 and seven. Um, so I think they have the ability to shock a lot of people, but they also have the ability to lay a fat stinker this season. Um, so I'm a little bit worried, but I'm cautiously optimistic is what I'm going to go with here. Awesome. Well, Best of luck to you and your Denver Broncos. I think they do have the potential to reach that ceiling if everything falls into place. Ross is the uh, host, the head honcho over at 4th and Long Radio, so make sure to go check his podcast and his pages out on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Ross does a lot of good work. And, Ross, I don't know how you do it, man, but, like, 8 to 10 IG posts a day, you have some special, like, clicking power. Oh, you want to know how I do it? I'll I'll give you I'll give you the industry secret. I don't have a life, and all I do is work. That that's what I do. I work eight hours in the day. I come home and work another. I don't know, probably six. So don't have a life. Don't get sleep. Um, and go crazy with what you're doing. And that's that's all there is to. Also, I mean, with the post, um, make a lot of templates because it speeds things up. This is also true. This is also very, very true. Good advice for those at home watching. Good stuff. And I really appreciate you guys. That that means a lot to me. Thank you. Yeah, very hard worker. And, Ross, uh, best of luck to you on Sunday. Hank and I will be at the game. So Ooh, lucky uh, you guys. Um, can't wait to meet up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Right. Well, one thing, I will be at the Broncos-Jets game in Denver this season, so I'll be rooting heavily against your, one, one of the Giants rivals there. So I, I got you guys covering that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I specifically chose a winnable game to to attend this year. Oh yeah, that that that. Okay, maybe Monty Ball has an argument if it's the Jets we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Ross, thank you so much. I'll let you catch the uh, Thursday night football season opener, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. Well, really appreciate you guys having me on. Like like you said, best of luck to the Giants. I'm hoping for a good game. I'm hoping for something that just doesn't look awful. But you never know with these two teams. But Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for having me on. It was it was an absolute blast. And uh can't wait to talk some more football this year. Absolutely. Thank you, Ross. That was Ross Allen from Fourth and Long Radio with the Denver Broncos fan. And awesome interview. He he brought in a lot of heat, a lot of fun stuff, and a lot of knowledge. Um we do have a few more topics to discuss and I kind of clumped some stuff together and I just briefly want to get to our individual keys for the Giants sake to win this game. And Hank and Sam, I think the first key is to protect Daniel Jones, right? When we were speaking with Ross, he mentioned Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. Uh, these are guys that could come at Daniel Jones from all different angles. And the O-line is our concern. We know Shane Lemieux, you know, could he hold his ground playing through this injury all season? Or will Ben Bredesen take over at the starting left guard spot? Does Will Hernandez adjust well to the move from left guard to right guard? And Nate Solder starting over Matt Pert, which when the depth chart came out, that was definitely the biggest surprise. Nate Solder over Matt Pert. I had a feeling it could happen, but I didn't think it would happen. So that's 
That's my first key to the game. These guys up front, in particular Nate Solder and Andrew Thomas, better protect Daniel Jones on Sunday. Yeah, 100%. That is, uh, like I said, that is our main our main point here is that we want the offensive line, which is the weakest link, to make sure that we are blocking Daniel Jones so he can perform and be able to throw down the field to all of these amazing receivers that we have clumped together into our offense. So, um, yeah, that's definitely going to be the most important thing. And not only protecting Daniel Jones, but also blocking for Saquon. He's coming back into this game. He's going to want to take off. You know, he's been kind of held back this entire time. We don't want him to get hurt again. So the best way to do that is to make sure that nobody, you know, obviously pushes him down to the ground too many times. So I think that the offensive line is definitely going to need to put in a lot of work. Um, we want to make sure that Daniel Jones can throw the ball and for Saquon to run it because I am so excited to see Saquon back in this in this entire offense. It's going to be just a breath of fresh air, I think, to see Saquon back. Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited to see that too. Also cautiously optimistic because you never know what to expect out of a running back recovering from a knee injury. He'll either not be the same or he'll have a historic Adrian Peterson-like season in 2012, if I remember correctly. But more importantly, yeah, I think the offensive line is a very important part of the game. And I think we pretty much touched on it multiple times, but really it goes without saying. And, you know, one thing I kind of want to expand on at this point, I think Andrew Thomas is the, the one guy I'm really interested in seeing because, as we mentioned, he got off to that rough start. He was trying to get used to the new scheme. And then Joe Judge had to step in and help him. He had a much better second half, but it was also revealed that he played – the whole season was it a broken foot correct me if i'm wrong tom yeah it was, it was like a, an ankle injury he, he was having. ankle injury he was playing the entire season with an ankle injury now i it's assumed that he's going to be playing this season healthy so we're hope i'm hoping that this year we can get a real bounce back and a real gauge out of what andrew thomas is because in my honest opinion left tackle might very well be the most important position for an NFL team just for the sheer fact that you got to protect your quarterback. And like I said, if Daniel Jones gets all the time in the world to throw the ball to an open receiver, he's going to sling it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, my Our next key is pressuring Teddy Bridgewater. I think the Giants, they have a good replenished group of edge rushers, Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez coming back off of injuries. And then of course, Aziz Ojolari, our second round pick who could potentially be a true steal of this draft. I think uh, stopping the run as well. Um, you mentioned they have Melvin Gordon in there and limiting the turnovers. As of 2020, the Broncos had the best secondary in the league. Ross mentioned earlier that Justin Simmons five interceptions last season and just got a mega contract extension, which you don't see happen at the safety position like that. So, Sam, I, I think for me, limiting the turnovers is big because Daniel Jones last year had a whole bunch of them early on in the season. And if he does, there's no way the Giants could win this football game. No, because the point of the football game is to put points on the board and obviously turnovers are not going to help that. But I think it was Hank who said earlier, or I, I don't sure which one you guys said it, but um, that he had turnovers. And then later on in the second half of the season, I think he only had two. Um, so obviously he knows where his problems lie and he knows um, where the problems 
come from with the turnovers. So hopefully he realizes that quicker going into his third year in the league. Maybe he can read defenses a little bit better and, and kind of get that done a little bit. So hopefully these turnovers don't um, happen too much. We don't want this Denver secondary to catch any of these turnovers because um, like we were saying with Ross, like this is probably one of the better secondaries of the entire league. So odds are they're going to convert these into six points. So hopefully things go a little bit better, but I, I want to think that Daniel Jones can read defenses a little bit better. And hopefully we don't have, you know, mixed up routes and things like that. And our receivers are in the places they need to be in order to catch the balls instead of turning them over. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting, interesting too. Daniel Jones working through his progressions, the route running of the receivers, the protection up front. There's a lot that goes into it. The Giants also need to win the time of possession battle. This is going to be key in what's predicted to be a very low-scoring affair. And then, Hank, your favorite key of the game, and you pretty much said this every week last year, what is it? And I stand by this take. Get off the field on third down. You do not want your defenses to get worn down. And, yeah, it pretty much speaks for itself. I cannot stress that enough. Yeah, it does speak for itself. And now we'll transition into players to watch. And Ross already touched upon a few, so we won't go too crazy into this. But Teddy Bridgewater, of course, is one. Um, last year, Teddy Bridgewater was a player who got his first full NFL season starting with the Carolina Panthers. He was supposed to be that guy in 2016 with the Minnesota Vikings, but he did suffer a devastating knee injury. And then, of course, the trade from the Panthers to the Broncos literally right before the draft helped him win that starting QB battle over Drew Locke in the preseason. And what's crazy is Pat Shermer was an assistant coach for the Vikings for two years when Bridgewater was there. So a little fun fact. So Shermer could have been an influence in this decision for Denver to start Teddy Bridgewater, where that chemistry could potentially help the Broncos pull this one out. I mean, they technically spent two years together. And then Ross also did mention Jerry Judy, the 15th overall pick uh, in the 2020 draft by the Broncos after three seasons at Alabama. Um, had nine drops last year, though. So I think hopefully he has an improved sophomore season with the new QB. And then this next guy, I want both your thoughts on is Noah Fant. And of course, Noah Fant is the Broncos tight end. We know how the storyline goes. The Giants can't cover tight ends. And here we are again. Uh, first week of 2021, this kid's a young and promising tight end who struggled last year. He still had 62 catches and almost 700 yards. So that right then and there concerns me as a Giants fan. Who's going to mark Noah Fant? I don't know. It's 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 a bit stressful, and I know that uh, Hank has no fans on his fantasy team, and I told him that you should play him because of how horrible how horrible we are at blocking tight ends, and to have these kind of stats when you had Drew Locke as your QB last year, and now you have a more seasoned QB, someone who's a little bit more in tune with the game, like Teddy. Um, it, it makes me a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. It's definitely something that's a little frightening to think about. Um, and obviously they're going to target him knowing that the Giants can't block them as as well. So hopefully we've worked on that in training camp. Hopefully we've, you know, kind of assessed those problems 
that they know that they have. And then maybe we'll actually be decent at covering tight ends. But who's to say until we actually see it happen? Yeah, that's a fair point. But I think I don't think Fant's going to go off. I just think he's going to have a couple of big plays. I, I think he's going to have a couple of big plays throughout the course of the game. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, this is where it gets a little concerning. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, we mentioned thing one and thing two. Uh, no pun intended. Now, 19 QB hits as a rookie was a lot for Bradley Chubb. He earned his first trip to the Pro Bowl as a rookie. And then I think part of the reason why the Broncos weren't as good last year as maybe they should have been was because they lost Von Miller uh, to a season-ending injury. Now they have Bradley Chubb and Von Miller on the field together. So uh, we know Bradley Chubb is off the field issues. We know Miller's coming off an injury who is the longest tenured Bronco, by the way, yeah. um, I'm scared of this duo, which, in fact, he was one of two remaining Broncos who were part of that Super Bowl championship team. And do you guys know who the other is? He's on. He, he is on the script. So, <laughs> Hank. No, but I knew. Yeah. I knew. It's Brandon McManus, the kicker. Just goes to show you how long Von Miller has been on, on this football team, folks, if you're watching right now. I mean – I'm concerned. He's been a good player say, for a long time. Like, it's funny. Old school Nick fans will like this comparison. But many many Nick fans in the late 80s fantasized about Patrick Ewing and Bernard King playing on the same court. But that unfortunately never happened due to Bernard King having an injury in 85, which led to the Knicks being so bad that they ended up drafting Patrick Ewing. And then King ended up getting traded shortly thereafter. Now the Broncos have those two on the same side of the defensive ball. They're going to be scary. I'm Tom. I'm 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 with you on their high ceiling part. I really think the Broncos, if all goes right, could very well win like maybe eight or nine games. Their defense is going to steal something for them over the course of the season. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen this week, but the Broncos are definitely going to be better than people think, in my honest opinion. Yeah. Could they take one from the Chiefs? I mean, then that's a fair argument. How do you beat Mahomes? You put I would be surprised they did. Division I, rivals, like you, yeah. we, the Chiefs lost to the Raiders, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't count that out. Yep, you you just pulled the thought from my head there, Hank. I was gonna say, you know, <laughs> in the division, it's it's anything goes a lot of the times. You know, you, when you play these teams for so many years, twice a year, you kind of learn them a little bit better than other teams. So I wouldn't be, uh, you know, it wouldn't be like the biggest thing in the world. I think a lot of people would be surprised, but. With this defense, with Von Miller back and Bradley Chubb, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Chiefs at some point. No, absolutely. And I think what's crazy is we talk about these sack numbers career-wise. Von Miller, 106 sacks. Last year, the leading sack getter for the Broncos only had eight, and that was Malik Reed from the linebacker position. So, you know, that's going to be a stat to keep an eye on as well. Their secondary is loaded. We thought their pass rushing duo was fierce. They have Justin Simmons, who five picks last year. I think he's going to be very tough on the Giants trying to go vertical in this game. I, like I said, I don't expect a whole lot of points to be scored. This guy is a former pro bowler, ball hawk type safety. And then Patrick Sertan, he's not even going to start in this game, which just goes to show you how loaded the Broncos secondary is. Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby played for Washington last year on a one-year deal. So he got the bag in Denver. Um, Fuller spent six seasons with Andy Hopper's Chicago Bears. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, those are my players to watch for the Broncos. Are there any more? I think we pretty much have them all squared away. I think so. I think we no, have I them think all. you're good. Although they don't have a great line either. Their only good lineman is Garrett Bowles. I mean, the rest of their line is pretty young. But we'll get to that in just a moment. The Giants players to watch. He's back. Saquon Barkley, 2-6, the captain. I'm super pumped. Will likely play, but I think he's going to get some limited reps. He's been practicing all week. And what really helped Saquon Barkley this year um, is the fact that he is on a contract year. So I think he's going to play his his heart out despite getting that fifth-year option. It's still – you're going to know if you're – I think the Giants will know if he's going to be here long-term based on this year's performance, right? I think that's a given. Um the question is, will Garrett be willing to open up the playbook for him and the Giants receivers? Because last year, the Giants only had five plays of 40-plus yards. Five plays. That's it? That's one that's hand. That's really bad. That, like, I knew the offense was, wasn't one of the strong points, but I didn't realize it was that bad. That's crazy. I understand the nickel and diming. I, I understand that part of the offense. That's something that needs to be done. And that's the thing that people, you know, are that's when they get bored and they're like, oh, I don't want to see them run two, three yards. Like, I want to see the big plays. But like that that needs to be done a little bit more often. Right. We need to cover more field in order to get down the field. You can't just do nickel and diming the entire time. So that's not that's not the stat that I just wanted to hear just now. I apologize. I had I had to bring that stat up because it's very relevant to this football game. But Sam, I'll get to you here. Our next player to watch is Kyle Rudolph, who is likely going to be starting at tight end on Sunday. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really stoked to see him, especially with Evan Ingram not playing and him being our primary tight end here. I think it's going to be good so that we can kind of see where he lies in this offense, how he fits in. Um, and especially without Evan there, it's going to be very different as opposed to if he was. So we can see the full the full Kyle Rudolph. We can see him fully in this game and see not only how he performs in the offense, but also how he is physically right now in terms of his um, injury state. So yeah, this is, this has been great. And he's, he's a vet in this league. He's been in, was with the Vikings for 10 years. So he was, he's definitely seasoned. He knows his way around an end zone. He knows his way around a field and he's a bigger guy. Like we were talking about before, he's blocking tight end. He can do a little bit more than Evan Ingram has in the past. So Kyle Rudolph, two-time pro bowler and 48 career touchdowns. I am very stoked to see Kyle Rudolph in this game. And again, see his potential with this offense. Cause I think he's going to fit in really well. Yeah. He's an outstanding player to have. Um, he'll be starting. Caden Smith will probably be the tight end, too, for 12 personnel, although he was a little banged up in practice. I do expect him to play. Rudolph is a two-time pro bowler who has 48 career TDs. Underutilized with the Vikings last year due to their offensive scheme, started just 12 games and had one touchdown, but he did spend 10 years with Minnesota. Now the biggest question is if Rudolph and Smith are the only two tight ends, could Ryan Izzo be that call-up at the tight end three spot? Because obviously – Jake Hausman and Chris Meyerick are behind him on the practice squad. I mean, they meant they went out and claimed Izzo for a reason. Former New England Patriot, Joe Judge guy. Um, now with the two-man call-up from the practice squad, Izzo could be one of these guys who's a pure blocker, and we could be seeing him 
at tight end three on Sunday. So that should be very interesting. Andrew Thomas, we mentioned he didn't have an impressive preseason. He needs to be better with his feet and pass protection. Uh, those are our three offensive players to watch. Now our three defensive players, Hank, it all starts with Leonard Williams. Now I'm very intrigued to see how he will play without Dalvin Tomlinson on the defensive line with him. Last year he had 11 and a half sacks. He doesn't have B.J. Hill anymore, who was traded away to the Cincinnati Bengals for an offensive lineman. But Dexter Lawrence is still there entering his third season, and he looks to be strong. So I'm really intrigued to see how this defensive line looks up front. And quite frankly, I love this matchup against Denver's interior because you have Dalton Rissner and Lloyd Cushenberry on the inside who are not very experienced players. So this is definitely an edge for the Giants right here. Oh, definitely. And again, I really think, and this is another thing I've been saying a lot last year. I really think him going from the Jets to Patrick Graham's, to learning Patrick Graham's system made Leonard Leonard Williams a better player. And I think we're going to be continuing to see more of that this year. And I, I think he'll definitely, if the Giants win this game, I think he's definitely going to be a big factor into it too. Yeah, I'm trying to see because I know the, the football game is on their way, correct? The Bucks Cowboys yep. game. Bucks are in the are in the Cowboys red zone. Actually, they just scored a touchdown. Awesome. It is now seven nothing Tampa with five minutes twenty three in the first quarter. As you guys know, I always like to have multiple screens up whenever there's a game on and I'm doing these. Uh Brady passed to Godwin. Beautiful, because Godwin's on my fantasy team. Love yes, it. Mine too. Uh, Oh, that's right. I'm playing you this week in that other league. Damn it. Yes. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's get to the Unfortunately, my anchor down to nothing, though. But oh, well. <laughs> um, Blake Martinez. Sam was named the team captain this year again. Led the team in tackles last season. And in my opinion, this is the first great interior linebacker we've had since probably Antonio Pierce. Because throughout the years, it's been, oh, like we've had a bunch of Band-Aids in, in there, you know, I there's some, I mean, we had Dan Morgan at one point starting in 2013. I mean, I don't even remember who that was. I had to literally look at the roster and f- figure out, oh, Dan Morgan started the first two or three games for us at middle linebacker before getting injured and out for the year. That, that's how bad our linebacker position has been for a while. So that's something that's going to be uh, definitely interesting. He's going to be having his hands full trying to read a lot of the plays that Pat Shermer is throwing at the Giants defense. Yeah, and having Blake Martinez on the team is something that's really great for us because not only is he a great linebacker, he's also a solid leader, and he filled that role even in his first year here. So um, he's a natural leader. He's really great, Um, especially – I mean, we saw in um, the preseason game where he got that amazing interception, literally pulled the ball out of the man's hand with the – what was that against the Patriots? Um, so it was, um, you know, it's great to watch him play. And I think making him the team captain, like we were talking about earlier, is not a bad idea at all. I think that he can lead this defense. And I think there's a lot of really strong faces here. But to have someone like him um, come in and be this this really great piece of the defense not only in a leadership role but in an actual playmaking role is really great so I'm stoked for Blake Martinez in in this year because I think he's got nothing but good things up his sleeve oh me too I and I love the comparison you made I love that you brought up Antonio Pierce he was another 
one of the more underrated giants of all time. And I definitely see some similarities with them as well. Blake Martinez is another leader and I can't, I, I said this, here's another take I've said a lot of times last year. I really think he was our most valuable player in 2020 without a doubt. The guy can tackle pretty much anything and everything that moved. And he, he really carried the linebacking core too. I can't wait to see another season from him. Very excited for that. And then moving into the secondary, it all starts with James Bradbury. He's my last player to watch. 18 passes defended in 2020, three picks, two forced fumbles among the league's best corners, criminally underrated, by the way, and made his first career Pro Bowl. Now, the secondary did see some upgrades this offseason, notably with the addition of the Dory Jackson. We needed a big CB2, and we got him. He's getting a lot of money. So, it's nice that Bradbury can play across a really good corner, not somebody named Isaac Yadam or um, Ryan Lewis. I think that's going to be huge for the Giants. And Yeah, I mean, Jackson's going to play. They said he's going to play, even though he's been dealing with an injury as well. So I think having him back there with Peppers, Love, McKinney, uh, Ryan, of course, it's going to be, honestly, like our secondary is probably just as good as Denver's, if you think about it. Yeah, you you just listing off those names. I was like, yep, 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 and yep. Like this is out of stretch. So many, so many good names there. Yeah, that is not a stretch whatsoever. I agree. Yeah, it's gonna um, be great. I mean, the only guy that really we're missing this week is Ingram, right? I can't think of anybody else no notable yeah. that's out. Um, no. Nope. Everyone else is gonna play. I mean, Danny Shelton and Caden Smith have been nursing injuries, but they're gonna play. Uh, Josh Jackson probably won't suit up. So, I mean, I don't think his injury is a huge deal. Kadarius Tony though, is nursing that hamstring issue. So that is something to, to keep an eye on. Um, Kenny Galladay as well, two very similar injuries. And hamstrings are tricky. We saw with Daniel Jones last year what happened. But at this time, we're going to give our score predictions for this game. And, Sam, I'd like to start with you. Who do you have winning and by what score? All right. Um, I believe Ross mentioned that this is going to be a very low scoring game, and I agree with him. I don't even have it making it into the 20s. I'm going Giants over Broncos 17 to 14, and it's going to come down to a game winning field goal. And Graham Gano is going to grace us with his presence. Okay. For a selfish reason, I would love that because Graham Gano, for the record, is also on my fantasy team. <laughs> but. I also love that you picked 17-14. Any true Giant fan will know why. But anyways, now for my score prediction, Pixar fans will get my score as well. 23-19 Giants. Okay. So we have low-scoring games. I, I think the Giants are going to win this game by a final of 20-17. to 17. I think that's going to be the final score. Uh, look, Ross brings up a lot of good points with the Broncos, but when push comes to shove, I mean, the city's going to be behind the Giants this week. Yep. They're, they're at home. It's week one. All of these new players are in, and I think the Giants have a much more dangerous offense than the Broncos do, and their defense, quite frankly, is just as good, at least in the secondary department. I mean, we have Blake Martinez. We have Leonard Williams. I mean, Ojalari and Carter are two dominant edge rushers that should make an impact in this game as well. So we don't have as much explosiveness on the edge that Denver does, but we have better receivers. Um, you know, I mean, we do lack a tight end a little bit at the moment, but Kyle Rudolph is the perfect 
secondary option to have at tight end. So I think we're going to go with 2017. Um, last question, record prediction. Do either of you have a record prediction that you'd like to share with the Giants? Yeah, for sure. I think that we will have a winning season by very, very little. Um, I have a 9-8 final, uh, you know, nine nine wins, eight losses. Um, that extra game, I think, is going to throw uh, not just us off, but a lot of people off. So um, definitely enough to get them into the playoff picture and hopefully win the division. I don't remember what my score prediction was last year, but I think it was right around 6-10, 5-11. The Giants might have actually won up me by one. If history, if history repeats itself, ironically, Oddly enough, I have the same prediction as you, Sam, nine and eight. I think that might be just enough to win the division, but given given the way the NFC potentially will be, I think it'll get them in the playoffs. Now, how far they go, I don't know. That's not what I'm concerned about right now, but I, I really think it's going to be nine to eight. I think, I think this is going to be a step in the right direction for the Giants this year overall. I really do. I'm going to say 10 and seven. I really like the Giants this season as a football team, they're going to bring a lot of energy in all 17 games and Joe judge in year two, Daniel Jones, year two in the scheme, Barkley coming back off the injury, all factors that weren't necessarily available to us last season. Plus the addition of Tony Galladay, Ross, Rudolph Jackson. I mean, you could just go on the, the list goes on of players. We didn't have last year. This team is better. Uh, this the vision is probably a little bit better as well. So I have the Giants winning 10 games. I think the Giants are going to win a game that maybe they shouldn't lose a game. They may not should, but it's the bottom line. And, yeah, Giants will win the NFC East in 2021. A little fun fact. So positive affirmations, Tom. Got to stay positive here on the show and make for some future clips so that when that doesn't happen, you could always go back and say, hey, we said <laughs> this on, on, on this date. Um, no, but I actually am confident the Giants uh, should win the East this year if they stay healthy. But Sam, Hank, any final thoughts here before we sign off and uh, watch these Cowboys fall to defeat tonight? Well, unfortunately, they just tied it right now. Dak Prescott threw a 22-yard touchdown pass to CeeDee Lamb. But any in any event, in my true, honest assessment of the Giants – I think the Giants have a higher ceiling this year than I've seen in years past. And the defense very well has the potential to be top 10. I think the offense is improved now. Whether the line will perform up to expectations, that remains to be seen. But that's basically my thinking for why the Giants will go 9-8. and eight. And like Tom said, I could easily see them stealing a game or two that they probably – shouldn't win and you know what that's what good teams too so i want that yeah that's really all about i'm about to say let's go to the playoffs it's been way too long 100 percent, i agree with you hank and and i'm thinking of uh last season when we played the seahawks and and we won that game a lot of people expected us not to that's the kind of that's the kind of games i want to see this year i want to see us come out just dominate and do well and Let's go big blue. We got this. We got this is a great way to start off our season. We can definitely win this game on Sunday and I'm ready. Yes. 
ready as ever. Hank, I'll be seeing you on Sunday. Folks, we'll be seeing you again next Thursday for the week two edition of Big Blue Avenue. Sam and Hank, thank you so much one more time. All Giants fans watching, make sure to check out our YouTube channel, our Instagram channel, and our Twitter account for all updates exclusively regarding the New York football Giants throughout the course of the week. I'm going to put down a little video breaking down a game-by-game thing, how I think the Giants are going to go this year. So be on the lookout for that. And then, of course, we will have some week one recap up as well. But all right, guys, so long. Have a good night. Let's go Big Blue.